I'll tell you what. If we don't cry out, the rocks will. Because worship is not about us. It's about an almighty God who gave everything for us. It's so awesome. I, I was I was praying, I can't remember if it was the third song or the fourth song, but I was just praying for atmospheres to be broken. You know, atmospheres that take us direct in our worship to the Lord. And boy, He answers that prayer. Do you know that? He he looks at our hearts, He sees our desire, and He sees the enemy that might try and come in the way of that. And He honors our desire when our desires are of Him. He breaks through atmospheres. Wow. He broke through atmospheres on on that last song. Because He is great. He is amazing. He is everything. He wants us to recognize that every moment of our lives. Just how incredible He is. So happy Mother's Day. Right? Happy Mother's Day. And, and as typical... Um, I, I don't have a Mother's Day message, so I'm sorry. <laughs> God, God just does things a little differently with me. But, uh, but Mother's Day is such an awesome, awesome thing to think of the mother in your life. In, in, in my case, thinking of my mother and then my wife who is a mother. Right? And how amazing they really are. And it, it breaks my heart this morning that, that we have several, but two in particular mothers that, that aren't with us this morning, that, that can't be. And, and, uh, Mineta and Bryn are not here. And, but I know they're watching online. So happy Mother's Day to both Mineta and Bryn. Bryn is home with, uh, with Carson this morning. But happy Mother's Day. And, and I, I pray that, that your day will be an amazing day. Now remember, it's the first day before the fast. So just eat. Eat, 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 eat. I, <laughs> my wife's like, no, 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 no. I keep telling Lex, we're, we're entering a 40-day fast, and I keep telling her, if, if, you are, are, if you understand the survivalist mentality, right? If you are a survivalist, what do you do before a long fast? You eat. You get fat. <laughs> See, I have the microphone. So I can, I can say what I want. <laughs> I haven't prayed yet for God to fill my mouth. No, I'm kidding. I actually did. So that must have been from the Lord. No, I'm kidding. But I, I have enjoyed the last few days. And, and my, for me, the fast starts tonight at 6. So my last meal... I apologize, honey, but it will be a good one. <laughs> it, it, I, I'm going for bulk, <laughs> not quality, quantity. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> She's going to kill me later. And it is Mother's Day. so. But you know what? My mom would say, you go for it. <laughs> I am behind you 100%. So today is Mother's Day, not Wife's Day. <laughs> I am really digging myself in a hole, aren't I? 
wow, hey, who can I hang out with this afternoon? <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go over to Jeff and Brent's house. Okay. <laughs> no, but, uh, but it is truly an amazing day. I hope that you have done, if not already, that you will plan to do something special uh, with family and just focus on family. And that's what we are here. We are a family. And that's why I could joke like that, and you guys all know that I'm kidding, right? At least mostly. Yeah. Mostly kidding. Right. Well, we, we've talked about this, and, and we, we have this fast coming up, but there, there are, uh, we talked last week about reasons for fasting, you know, plans, making plans when you fast, when you go into especially a long fast. Usually when you're doing a, a one-day or a three-day fast, you're doing it in reaction to something. You're doing it because it's something you want God to move in. Um, a 40-day fast is something very different and very special. It, it's something that, that it, I, I gave you examples last week of 40-day of fasts in the Word of God and, and what they accomplished in those people's lives. And it really is a amazing opportunity to draw in and this whole this whole series that the lord has been doing this idea of going deep is really the idea of going deep in relationship with him because that's what it's all about it's not just about finding how we're supposed to live our lives and living according to those rules but it is literally finding the person of jesus christ and building that relationship with Him that allows Him to work through you. And building that relationship makes us the person that He wants us to be. So this idea of going deep isn't just about this fast. This idea of going deep is building that relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and technically it's building that relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ facilitated by the Holy Spirit. Because it includes all three. The relationship you're building is with all three. Right? It's not, it's not just, well, I'll build it with Jesus and I'll, I'll, I'll meet the Father when I get to heaven. <laughs> right? Or, or I'm kind of afraid of the Holy Spirit. So, so maybe I'll just build my relationship with Jesus because, you know, he's human anyways. He gets me. But this Holy Spirit thing, that, you know, that's just kind of scary. So we'll set it aside. No. When you're building relationship, you're building relationship with all three. All three, because they are three in one. And the idea of going deep requires a desire to go deep. He's not going to pull you in and force you to relationship with Him. He's not going to pull you in and say, Look, here's, here's a blueprint of what I want with you and my relationship with you. See, that's what He did with salvation. That's what he did with your justification. When you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, he drew you to himself. Why? Because it says in the word of God, the father gave you to him. So he draws those who the father has given. But sanctification or relationship is a whole different ballgame. Relationship is something that, and I've said it many times, that we take the first step in. That we step out and say, Jesus, I draw to you. I want to know you more. I want to go deeper with you. And then he draws to us. And it says in the word of God, 
That, that when we take a step toward him, he takes a step toward us. I've said it a thousand times, in reality what really happens is we take a step toward him and he takes a leap toward us. Because his steps are pure. His steps are bigger. He knows what we need. And when we give him a yes and we just say in our heart, I don't even know what it means, Lord. But I want you. I want relationship with you. See, that's all we have to do. We don't have to learn relationship and then go to him and, oh, Lord, I got it down now, so I'm ready to build a relationship. I got my, my ten step process is all set. See, we don't have to wait to learn some ten step process. Why? Because first of all, it's wrong. <laughs> he teaches us the steps. And by the way, he does it one at a time. He gives you an ongoing one-step process, right? Because each step is a one-step. It's, where do you want my foot next? And he takes our foot when we give it to him, and he places it. Oftentimes in an unknown place. Oftentimes in a direction that we're not familiar with or uncomfortable with. Oftentimes in a place that would normally scare us, that we literally have to fight the spirit of fear in, right? You know, a good example of that, and, and having this heart to press in, because that's where it starts. It starts in your desire, it starts in your heart to want to press into him. But I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 32. I want to give you a couple examples today of people that desired progress in their relationship. Genesis 32 is, is Jacob when he wrestled with the angel. Okay, and Most of you know that, that story, right? Well, let, let's read through it here for a second. We're going to start in verse 22. And before we do, let me, let me pray. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We lift up the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us and rose again by the power of your amazing Holy Spirit. We invite you to this place. We ask you to permeate this place with your Holy Spirit as you have broken atmospheres here, God, just like an oil just poured down on this place with your Holy Spirit. You promised with your Holy Spirit to bring revelation. Not just an understanding of specific words, but an understanding of the underlying significance of a passage. I pray that you speak this morning. I pray that you speak through me. None of my words, but only yours, Father. Only your words, Lord. Because we wait and we're eager, and we're hungry, and we desire you. We're the day before the fast, Father. Some of us may be sitting at this moment with great expectation, some with, with a bit of anxiety, others with hope. Father, maybe there are some here that 
that don't know if there can be breakthrough, but they're willing to try. I remind you, Father, as you've told us to remind you, I remind you that you said if we take a step toward you, you take a step toward us. So I pray that for each of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 22 says, the same night, and this is Jacob, by the way, this is Jacob after he, you know, he, he's got his huge family and everything else. This is long after he, he really uh, weaseled out of Esau, his birthright, um, not only the promise of his birthright, but literally the blessing of his birthright. And then they were separated for a long time. Now he is about to meet Esau again. Okay, Esau, who was a man of war. Jacob, he, he, he was a farmer. Esau, he killed things. Okay, you can imagine he was probably a little nervous to see his brother again, especially after what he took from him. So, so this is the night before he goes to see Esau. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. He was the one that had not crossed yet. He was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now let me, let me stop there a second. I, I, I want you to really get what's going on here. Okay. This is not a 20 minute wrestle session. Or if you go, if you go to a, uh, a, a wrestling match, we, we have a, especially on my wife's side, we have a lot of wrestlers on her side. One, in fact, that was top in the world. And I think, I think he might be still top in the world or he's in the top of the world now. He just retired. Anyways, sidebar. <laughs> but this idea of wrestling, you go to a mat, or you go to a, a, a match and, you know, they're, they're done in 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is, three rounds, you know, done. That's not what was going on here. Okay, this was a wrestling match that was going on the entire night. I would get a little tired. But keep in mind that this is not a, this is something supernatural is going on here. Verse 25, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of the joint as he was wrestling with him. Okay, that's your first clue that this is not really a man. Your first clue. Okay? And it makes you wonder why they're wrestling all night and finally this man, I'm just tired of this thing, just touches him and his hip goes out of socket. Right? So if... If you were Jacob at this point, you're in this incredible amount of pain. How many have had a joint go out of socket before? Yeah, I've, I've had a joint go out of socket in, in football. It's not a pleasant feeling. It hurts. What did Jacob do? He held on. He held on. He wasn't about to let go. Then he said, let me go. This is the, the man said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I want you to recognize what's going on here. First, 
the tenacity of Jacob to not let go. By the way, this isn't the first time he went after what he wanted in his life. Right? It started before he breathed his last breath. In the womb, it started. And then, and then as they're growing up, he went after his brother's birthright twice. Or went after the birthright, then the blessing. This is not a guy who gives up. Now we look at that and we, we think that that's a bad character trait. You know, he stole his brother's birthright. And, and there's certainly truth to that. However, you gotta look at the fact that first of all they're twins and they're born right after each other, one holding on to the other, right? Okay, plus the fact that wanting something is a prerequisite for going after it. Going after something with everything you are is a requirement to achieving it. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying him going after the birthright was a good thing. Please don't misunderstand. But he was not about to let go of this person that somehow he knew could bless him. See, I'm saying Jacob here knew this was a supernatural event. In fact, we see in a moment, he, he believed at first that it was an angel. Verse 27, and he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. So here comes the blessing. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the, of the thigh. I want you to recognize when he was wrestling him, he knew that this was a supernatural thing. He knew, why? Because he knew he could bless him. He knew whatever he was wrestling, this angel perhaps, he knew that he was in a position to bless him, and he is in fear because he is about to meet the brother that he irritated and took everything from. So he needed that blessing. That blessing was not a blessing about Wealth. He already had wealth. It was not about large family. He already had a large family. The blessing was about protection. The blessing was about his name. He finds out later that it was God himself that he was wrestling with. I love that picture. You think, wait a second, it was God. Why, why did he keep wrestling all night? You know, I mean, God, God could just touch his hip and be done with it. Right? Do you know God wrestles with us all the time? He wants to engage with us in a process 
A process that takes more than a moment. A process that takes more than a Sunday morning or a Tuesday night. It's a process that is continual and does not end. For Jacob, Jacob's sake, he did not, he was not going to let go until he received this blessing. Now I want you to understand what, what was the blessing? We look at it and uh, that, that doesn't really mean anything. Okay, so his name was changed. First of all, it's interesting, the name of Jacob, the meaning of that versus the meaning of Israel. And I, I won't get into it, but that's one of the reasons. But literally, what was happening here was God's chosen people were marked. And you look back and you think, wait a second. I thought that happened with Abraham. No. No. See, this was two generations later. Why didn't it happen with Abraham? Why didn't it happen with Isaac? I don't know. Perhaps they didn't wrestle with the Lord. But here you get Jacob. Who had this, his whole life has this inferior complex. Inferior to his brother. Because he was born right after him, but yet he doesn't get the blessing. So he's going to manipulate that all that he can. And he gets it. And now he finds this, this supernatural event, this angel that he wants to receive this blessing for. And he didn't even realize, I don't believe at the time, the blessing that was given to him. And, and this was the beginning of God's favor on his chosen people. But going back to, to the ingredients it took for that to come about, that idea of the heart being ready to press in. See, Jacob wanted it. He wanted it more than anything else. You know what I asked you two weeks ago? Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Do you want it? Do you want it? See, it doesn't take much to set up going after it. But it does take a lot for you to decide that you want it. Do you want relationship with Him? Do you want Him to work in your life to where He has full control and not you? Do you want it? Are you hungry? See, Jacob was hungry. In fact, he wasn't about to move on until he got it. Man, I, th I think God looks at that. First of all, that's why he wrestled. God didn't even have to show up. But God knew Jacob's heart. God didn't have to wrestle with him for hours upon hours. He could have touched his hip 20 seconds into it, been done with it. But he didn't. Because he wanted the striving of Jacob to produce this desire for that blessing, this desire for God to bless him. Do we have that in our lives? Man, that's what you want stepping into this fast. Turn to Mark chapter 5. I have a couple other examples of this. Mark chapter 5. We're going to begin at, at verse 21. And go down through 34. This is where Jesus heals this woman in verse 21, it says, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. 
they came one of the ruler, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that he may be made well and live, or she may be made well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. So it's just packed around him with people. Verse 25, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind Him in the crowd, and touched His garment. For she said, If I touch even His garments, I will be made well. What an amazing statement of faith. See, her heart was ready. Her heart was ready to receive what she was going after. Is your heart ready to receive what you're going after? See, our hearts have to be ready. Not just our physical presence. Not not just, just our physical atmospheres have to be ready. Our heart has to be ready. Why? Because what Jesus wants to give you is so precious. This idea of relationship. It's a real relationship. And it's a relationship with the God of the universe. With the creator of the universe. He wants you to be his best friend. He wants him to be your best friend. But see... There's an element that has to be there first. And it's that desire, that heart that's ready to press in. This lady, she didn't care about a crowd. If she had to crawl to him on her knees, she would have. Because, see, she's not thinking, I don't even have to get his attention. I just got to touch his garment. I just got to touch the hem of his robe. And, And I know I'll be well. See, that's hunger. That's a desire. She had this desire to be healed, but in our case, do we have this desire to have relationship? There are many things that we're going to this fast about. We talked last week about putting together a plan, putting together, you know, a a prayer plan, putting together, uh, you know, what you are going on this fast for, both corporately as well as personally. But in that plan, it is, is it just a plan of what you want to see happen? Or a, or a plan of when, what you want to see done? Or is it a plan that you want to draw close to Jesus Christ? See, because if you draw close to Him, those things are automatic. Do you know He's already promised one, one of the, the corporate things we're going, we're fasting for is, is the falling of the Holy Spirit on this church because He's promised it. He's promised it not just corporately, but individually. So corporately, one of the things we're going, we're praying every day for, we're pressing in for, is the falling of the Holy Spirit. But when that happens... 
See, we're not just going to it because, oh, then everything will change and this will happen and we'll have this building and we'll have this thing in Nigeria and, and, and all this stuff. No. Those are all after effects of the real truth. See, the real truth is we draw closer to Him. We become best friends. We spend an intimate time with Him that does not have to ever end. But it's just drawing in. See, that's a hunger. That's a hunger. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? And by the way, I don't need to know it. God's the one who knows your heart. He knows if you're hungry. He knows if you're just looking for something to change in your life. He knows if you recognize that He offers relationship and that's what you're going for. You want that relationship. See, ultimately, that's what He wants. He doesn't want us to look at this life and say, well, I, I need this part of my life easier, and this part needs something fulfilled, and, and over here I need provision over here. God, God, this is kind of my blueprint for how I think my life should be. No, Matthew 6.33. Go back to the basics. Matthew 6.33. Seek Him. Seek His kingdom. He does the rest. Seek Him in in relationship. He does the rest. How do I know this is true? Because I've lived it for the last five years. I've given up everything. And He blessed me in going after Him. I didn't go after the things. I was willing to give up everything. And in that process, what I found was Him. What I found was relationship with Him and intimacy with Him that I had no idea was possible. I had no idea because that wasn't the God I knew. The the God I knew was black and white. Just words on a page. Powerful. And the Word of God was powerful and, and He worked in my life. I'm not saying that. But there was an intimacy with him in that relationship that I didn't understand. I didn't understand that I could build a relationship and actually have conversation with him all the time. It started to make sense to me when Paul said, I pray without ceasing. Why? Because it's kind of like you have your best friend attached to you all the time. If they're attached, are you going to ignore them? No, you can't. (laughs) You're attached. It's kind of like a Siamese twin. They're attached. You can't ignore them. Even even in that movie, what was it called? Uh, Stuck on you, yes. (laughs) They tried to they tried to live a separate life, but they couldn't. Right? Sorry, I looked at Peter because I knew he would know it. Right, he's attached. When you have a relationship with you, he's with you all the time. And so, I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't know that that when I would speak to him, he would speak back. That we could share these these amazing intimate moments that I had never experienced before, even though I had been saved for over 40 years. But that's exactly what has happened. But it started with a heart that was eager 
for that relationship. Eager, even though I didn't understand it, I didn't know what, what was possible or what was available to me. I just wanted it. I just wanted Him. I just wanted His will. God, just do your will, because I know I'll be happiest in your will rather than my own. And then all of a sudden, He starts moving my feet. And I'm starting to experience these things that I've never experienced before. And each one of those experiences didn't open my eyes to an experience. It opened my eyes to my best friend. It opened my eyes to a relationship with somebody I didn't even think possible. Then all of a sudden I'm, I'm reading his word and, and things are, are coming alive to me. Which, by the way, is exactly what he said would happen. It's not in your intellect the word of God comes alive. Why? The word of God is living. It is breathing. It says it is God breathed. Present tense, not past tense. Not that God breathed it out at one point and it's just black and white on paper. Or on an iPad. No, it's currently breathing. It's living. It is his word currently. So when you develop relationship with him, that living, that living and breathing word becomes part of that relationship. And all of a sudden you start to understand things that he's saying. See, it wasn't through my intellect. Oh, praise God. Because that wasn't there. It wasn't from learning more. It wasn't from, from understanding principles. Which, by the way, all those things are good. I'm not saying those are, those are bad. I praise God for my foundation. How I, how I grew up and how I was raised and how I lived the first 40 years of, of my salvation. But see, it wasn't that the scripture came directly out of his mouth to me until I built, began to build this relationship and understand that, that his breathing word was currently breathing. It was currently breathing on me. And when you understand that, he takes you to levels of depth in his word that you've never experienced before. You see things that you've read a thousand times, and that one thousand and one time that you read it in relationship with him, it explodes. You know, this happened just the other day. I'm reading, I, I went through Revelation the other day, and, and, and I'm, I'm reading, by the way, I don't want to knock things off here, but by the way, have a reading plan. During this 40-day fast, have a reading plan. Ask the Lord, what is it that He wants you to do? And by the way, make it to where it doesn't make sense that you could do it. Because then it's only in His help that you can do it. But have a reading plan. Have a plan of what you're going to do. I'm a, I'm a little nervous of what he's told me to do in my reading plan. And, and anything I'm telling you to do, believe me, I'm doing it. Because I'm just sharing what he tells me. That's all. But have it to where, yeah, the only way I could do this, Lord, is with you. So he told me to go through the entire Bible in those 40 days. 
But there's something there that I'll see that I haven't seen before. That happened to me the other night. I, I was going through Revelation and, and, uh, it was, I believe it was chapter 21 where, where the angel was speaking to John. It was at the very end and, and, and it was after the new heaven, new earth was recreated and, and all this. And, and, and he said with, with the new Jerusalem coming down, which was, which is the throne of God. Understand it's, it's the throne of God right now that God will then come and dwell with man. But, but he said, he said, let me show you the bride. Okay, I've seen that before. I understood that. It's the next part I, I'd never seen before. He said, who has readied herself? Wow. Who has readied herself? Not that Jesus readied her. But who has readied herself and prepared herself for the groom? See, do you understand that fit in with Revelation 3 verse 9? That said before the rapture, before the end of the world, before the bride is taken off this earth, the bride will be readied to receive her groom. And the, the, the optics of that readiness in Revelation 3.9 is that the world will honor her. The world will honor the church. Those who, who give their lives to Satan, it says, will literally honor her and say, God has favor on you. Now, I'm pretty sure that hasn't happened yet, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. In all of history, from the beginning of the church at Pentecost, it has never happened. But yet it's going to happen before the rapture. Not, not before Christ comes back again. Because there's a whole lot of stuff that happens after the rapture and to the point when he comes back. And it's not good. But we're going to see, and this is something we've talked about many times, we're going to see the bride in this country and in the world turn to Jesus Christ in relationship to ready herself. Because the readying isn't about living by a list of rules. The readying is not that, that well, okay, I do this, this, and this, and this, and I'm ready for you, Jesus. No, it's that they have built a relationship with Him. They had a heart to press into Him, to go after Him. If you wanna, if you wanna see a fuller picture of this, look at the Song of Songs. But I, I, I wanna tell you, in, in doing that, read it from a different perspective though, this time. Cause everybody who looks at that looks at it like, well, this is a thing on marriage, and, and it is. But I wanna encourage you to read that book from a different perspective. I believe the perspective that it was originally intended. And that is the perspective of the bride, the church. Becoming ready for her groom, Jesus Christ. Take that perspective, that filter, and reread that. And, and he's gonna, he's, if you do that even during this fast, he's gonna open up things to you. He's gonna pull back layers to you that you've never seen before. See, because it's tied together. This idea of relationship and this idea of readying the bride, they're, they're the same thing. It has to happen. 
But are we hungry enough for it to happen with us? We must have a heart to go deep. Turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, starting at verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me. O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he didn't answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. Now, if you stop there, you think, okay, that's really rude. (laughs) You have to understand the culture that was going on there. She was a Canaanite. He answered, uh, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he said, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Do you understand what he's saying here? Saying you have no right to this. You have no right to this. You're a Canaanite. You have no right to this. Because, see, they, it was like the Samaritans, they, they weren't supposed to associate with them. You have no right to what has been sent for Israel. And her reaction was, I'm hungry. I'll even take the crumbs to fall off the table for those who get to eat that. That's fine. I don't, I don't need to sit at the table. I'll just take the crumbs. Now, first of all, you have to understand, Jesus knew how she was going to react because he, he knew her heart before she even spoke. He knew her heart and he knew her hunger. And what was his response? Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. Are you hungry? See, if you're hungry, nothing will stop you. Not even if you think that your position in life isn't worthy of going after him. I find that interesting that that Satan uses that more than anything else I've seen. People not understanding how much Jesus loves them. See, you are worthy of his love. Why? Not because you're great, but that's what Satan wants you to think. Well, you're worthy if, if you're great, and, and then you can go after his love. But, but you're not great, so you know what? You can't go after his love. See, Satan uses that, and all of a sudden we don't understand how much Jesus loves us. But yet he loves us so much he died for us. And that's where we leave it. But he didn't stop there. Do you know he loves you so much that he stands before the court with the father as judge every day for you? 
every day for you. The Bible says He became your advocate. He became your attorney, in other words. To go before the Father. To fight for your life. To fight for your right to have relationship with them. Do you understand? You have that right. You are worthy. Why? Because He made you worthy. When you accepted Him into your heart as Savior, He made you worthy. It wasn't anything we did. Don't let, don't let Satan make that the bar. If that's the bar, then none of us can have relationship. But the bar is what Jesus did. He made you worthy. He made you worthy of Jesus' love. And Jesus loves you. The Father loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you. Don't let the enemy tell you any different. Well, I've lived my life this, this whole time and, and you know, it just things are kind of how they are. It's going to be better in heaven. No! What makes you think that your relationship is going to be any different the last breath you take to the very next breath that you take in heaven? Your body will be different because he promises a glorified body. Your place will be different because he promises that we'll be in paradise with him. But what makes you think that all of a sudden you will have this intimate, close relationship with Jesus Christ just because you have breathed your last breath and you were saved? I challenge you, you show me where it says anything like that in the Word of God. In fact, then you give me the opportunity to I'll show you it's just the opposite of that. That now is your opportunity to build relationship with Him now. The time you waste now is time you will not recover from. Understand what I just said? The time you waste now in this life not going after relationship with Him because you are too self-absorbed to go after Him. You're too busy going after your own things. Understand, that is time that you cannot get back. Now let me go on from there and say, to a life that has been spent doing that, it starts right now. Right now. You have an opportunity right now. I've said this many times before, Lord, I, I really didn't think the Lord would make me take my shoes off today. But he did. Right at the end of the last song, he said, take them off. Now the reason he does that is because what is being declared is being declared in his court. You are responsible when you hear that. And it's not that you're responsible for me or to me. It's got nothing to do with me. You are responsible for what you hear from the moment you hear it. Jesus is crying out to you, I want relationship with you. I want this close intimacy with you. I need you more than a Sunday. I need you more than five minutes in the morning. Why? Because he says, we have plans. We have plans. 
And not just for this life. Man, I, if, if you could sit and talk with Jesus, he, he's like, this life is a blip. It's that right there. See, he has plans way beyond this. Revelation 3 also talks about to those who overcome, we will, we will reign with him. We will judge angels with him. That's not everybody. That's to those who overcome. And yet that letter is written to Christians, all Christians. But it's to those who overcome. So he's saying in your life right now, he's saying, we have a lot to prepare for. And that's not just here on earth. I mean, this is, this is really the preparation time. The real time comes when we're with him in his kingdom. He said, we've got a lot to do. I need you. To be in relationship with me. So I can ready you for this. And then as we build this relationship with him. See the opposite's true too. If you build relationship with him in this life. And you build it in faith. Which is, is a huge requirement. See the faith isn't there after you die. Because you'll be with him face to face. But here when you build with faith. It's, it's like learning on steroids. <laughs> it's like preparing on steroids. Because he takes a little bit of faith. And he multiplies it. He took a little bit of Abraham's faith. That Abraham never gave up, gave up on, never lost. Which Hebrews 11 says he never saw it. He never saw the promise but he never gave up faith. It says, in fact, he grew in faith. So Jesus took that little bit of faith. And look what he produced. He produced everything. By the way, you know, tomorrow, they, they officially opened the, the, uh, the American embassy in Jerusalem. That is awesome. Absolutely. That is awesome. That is awesome. Do you, do you know that all of that, all that Israel's doing right, that all goes back to Abraham's faith. That all goes back to Jacob's faith when he was wrestling. See, it didn't become Israel until he had wrestled with God. And, and by the way, that's a beautiful picture that oftentimes when we wrestle with God, we walk out of there with a wound. We walk out of there with something that will keep us understanding what he did for the rest of his life. He said Jacob limped the rest of his life. Maybe he didn't meet Todd White. <laughs> and I, I say that jokingly. That, that's, that's really not a joke. But my point is, it was there for him to remember. For him to remember what God had done. When you go through this life, there are going to be things that happen in your life that are going to leave these scars. Don't forsake the scars. Don't worry about the scars. Because if it is something that God did in your life, it's something to remind you of his power. It's something to remind you of his blessing. See, Jacob never forsook that. That meant everything to him. So this idea of right now building this relationship, 
Now's the time. I want you to turn to another one. Matthew chapter 13. Just go back a couple of chapters. Chapter 13. And just verses 45 and 46. Jesus is talking about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he said again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Okay, I want you to understand something. You know, I know there are probably many business people in here, right? I was a businessman. Okay, if I'm going to build a business... I'm not going to go invest in one thing that I want to keep so bad and I'll never sell it for a profit. Right? Business kind of goes downhill and whatever. There is no business. I know it says merchant, but understand that this goes beyond his business. He found something he wanted that was so precious to him. So precious to him that he was willing to sell everything he had. As a businessman. And invested in this one thing that was so precious. Not to make money on. But to keep. To keep. To hold close to him. Because it was precious to him. See he said the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's like finding so something so precious. That you're willing to give everything up for it. You know, oftentimes that's, that's a real paradigm change in our mind. Because we look at the physical world here and we think of our lives as being a long life. And we think, you know, well, I, I, I've still got to eat. I've still got to do this. I've still got to have my career. I've still got to have my family. I've still got to, still got to, still got to. Right? And yet we don't look at the real prize. Bible says the real prize is Jesus Christ. The real prize is relationship with Him. The real prize is His kingdom and serving with Him in His kingdom. Do you understand? I know. I know this will irritate a lot of theologians out there right now. <laughs> Do you understand? His kingdom is not present right now. And I know a lot will say that that it is. That you can live in his kingdom right now. If it is, then it's unruled. Because he has not taken the throne of his kingdom. He will take the throne of his kingdom when he sits on the throne in Jerusalem and takes the thousand year reign. That, that's a physical reign of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I'm not, what, what I believe they're meaning when they say that is to go outside of the realm of our understanding of three dimensions plus time and be with him where he is. I agree with that a thousand percent. That's different than his kingdom. See, he wants you to rule alongside him in his kingdom. Last I checked, we don't, just by stepping into his kingdom right now, have rule over angels of heaven or whatever. No, because he's not in his rule yet. He's our advocate right now. He stands before the throne, the name above all names, lifted high. And he fights for you and he fights for me.
So are we going after this, th- this thing of great price? What's it worth to us? I want you to turn to Luke chapter 18. I know this thought, I normally don't have this many places to turn, right? That's all right. Luke chapter 18, these are what the Lord gave me late last night. We've gone over this before, this parable of a, of a persistent widow. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. See, as we step into the fast, these, this passage is going to become really important. And, and Jesus told this parable so they would always pray, go after it, and don't lose heart in that prayer. Even though it may seem like nothing's happening. We, we, we oftentimes pray things over and over again. I've hold, heard so many stories about somebody praying for, for family members for 20, 30 years to be saved. And then it finally happens, right? And, and I'm sure many of you have heard the same things. Verse 2, he said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but after he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. (laughs) In other words, he's saying, I just got to get her out of here. She's driving me insane. She will. Why am I all of a sudden ringing again? So, so it's it's like she just keeps going and going and going like the like the Energizer Bunny. And the Lord said, "Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not give, and will not give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily." Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Is that what it is? Is that better? I can yell, too. I can turn it off and yell. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? See, what that means is he wants us to continue coming after him. See, he has a timing for things. He has a timing in your life. He has a timing in my life. He has this grand mosaic plan where the pieces fit together in certain ways. And we we often try to take this piece and fit it in up here. And it just doesn't fit. But he wants to do it his way. And he says, if an unrighteous judge will do this, how much more will a righteous judge who is our father? And what he's saying to his his disciples here is don't give up. When you're going into this 40-day fast and you're you're at day 19, you haven't even got halfway there yet. You're at 19 thinking, i got to do this another 
Three weeks. Don't give up. Don't give up. Press in even harder to Him. Because He said, He will surely and speedily listen and give righteous judgment. Last thing, turn to Romans chapter 12. Every day, If we go after Him in relationship, there's a cost every day. Every day. From the moment you walk out of here, every day, there's a cost in going after Him. Let's look at verse 1, chapter 12, Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. See, there's a cost to letting Him do something in your life. There's a cost to that relationship. He's not going to come in and just change your mind. Renew your mind. If he does, then then Paul would have said here, you know, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, let God change your mind, transform your mind every day. He doesn't do that. We have to take this that first step. We have to say, God, transform my mind. God, I want you. God, my heart is there with a desire to press in. I need you. I want you. I desire you. Please transform my mind every day. And when we pray that, he begins to do that. I promise you something. I promise you. If you take these 40 days, you press into him. And you ask Him each day to transform your mind. Transform, what does that mean? To change your paradigms. Right? To change your paradigm of even how you look at relationship with Him. If you do nothing else, spend the 40 days asking Lord to change your mind, change your paradigms on relationship with Him. Well, Lord, I I don't know that I necessarily believe this whole thing about, about, you know, you talking back to me and me talking to you and hearing the voice of God and all that, but but I do believe in your word. And I do believe that if I ask you to, you'll transform my mind. So I ask you, transform my mind. Renew it. Renew it. Make me and mold me into what you want me to be in this relationship. And I promise you, he'll do it. I promise you. So have a plan. Going into this 40-day fast, have a plan. And part of that plan is every day, every morning, say, Lord, transform my mind today. Transform it. Draw it to a better understanding, not of just who he is. Not a bunch more information that I could say, well, I know him because here's a dossier on on Jesus Christ. And so I read this dossier and I, I know him. 
No. Lord, renew my mind so that I might be closer to you and know you personally. Not just, not just to know about you, but to know you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. We praise you and we thank you, God, because you are amazing. And what you do in changing our lives, when we have a heart that presses in to go after you, is nothing short of amazing, of wonderful, of incredible. So Father, as we are on the eve of this 40-day fast as a church, we look at it corporately. We have many things we're praying for corporately, but Father, we look at it individually. I know many are praying for breakthrough in certain areas of their lives. Father, I pray that as we press into you, you accelerate. You accelerate because of our sacrifice. You accelerate learning who you are, drawing close to you, experiencing you. Not just in worship, but in every part of our lives. Cleansing our lives so there, there isn't a part of our lives that we can't have you in. That's part of the process of renewing our minds daily. Dying to ourselves daily. So that we can invite you into every portion of our lives. <coughs> God, I look forward to what you're going to do in the next 40 days. I'm excited. I'm excited corporately, but God, I, I have to be honest. I'm, I'm excited for me. I'm excited for me because I know there's no end to the depth of relationship with you. There's no end. With Enoch didn't even find an end and you were so close to him that you just told him to come up to heaven and stay. God, that's what I want. I want to be close to you. I don't want there to be anything in my life that, that I place as a hindrance to that. And I pray that same thing for everybody here and everybody online. We desire you, Lord. We pray your will to be done. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Yesterday, um, some of you know the intensity here in this area of the storms that were coming. And uh, I, uh, I didn't know. I, I wasn't even paying attention to the weather. And I went ahead and got out and was doing some mulch. And Michael Stephen came out. And he said, you know, we're in a tornado warning. And, uh, you know, or a tornado watch. And I said, oh, I didn't know. And so he, he helped me finish laying some mulch. Well, it just didn't look that bad. It looked cloudy and it, you know, looked like, you know. 
So I, I had said before I even went out there, I had said to Brooke, do you want to go for a walk? And um, so when, with Michael helping me lay the mulch, we just thought, okay, yeah, we have a little bit more time. It, doesn't, it didn't really look that bad. I just thought, okay, the clouds are coming. So, so Brooke and I went on our walk, and it started. the clouds started to intensify, and there was one more stretch that we thought, well, maybe we'll just go around this other, this other big bend here, and, and we'll make it through. We got halfway around there, and all of a sudden, over our shoulder, I mean, the sky is just black, and it's just moving towards us. And we were kind of like, okay, because we were power walking, as it is. And um, all of a sudden, we're like, she's like, we, we need to go back now. We need to go back now. Well, we were literally halfway between. To turn back would have been just as long as to finish around the bend. So we decided, okay, we'll just, we're just going to run it. And I mean, it just, the wall of, of blackness was just coming. And all of a sudden, the wind starts picking up, swirling around. I, my, my hat kept flying off. We're just pressing through. And I thought, okay, we're going to run. We're going to run. And she, she's already a runner. And that's just not my preferred kind of exercise. I don't do so well with that. I do many other types of exercises. But um, I'm finding myself running at full speed with absolutely everything in me. The wind is coming at me. And it was a very interesting life lesson, spiritual lesson that God was teaching me in that moment. I kept thinking to myself, it wasn't so much the fear that came on us as the urgency. And I thought, okay, there's an urgency here. We need to get to the finish line, which is even my driveway. Like, just get to the finish line. So I'm running with everything in me. And I remember at that moment thinking, and I'm praying, and I didn't realize. I'm praying out loud, Lord, keep us safe. Lord, keep us safe. Lord, keep us safe. Lord, and I mean, I am just running so hard. And I remember thinking, okay, my body cannot do this, okay? I, I was already sore from other prior workouts, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm like, I can do this. Not only was I running, but I was speaking out loud, which meant I was breathing. <laughs> you ever run and you know you're not breathing? And it was a very interesting moment. And right away, the Lord dropped into my spirit. This is what I want the fast to look like. I want you to keep your eye on that finish line. And I want you to run with everything in you. And don't you worry about what's going to fail. Your body may fail. My flesh may fail. But your spirit's strong in me. The worship song. And so I kept my eye on knowing that if we just get to that, we just get to that driveway. And I even knew I had my, I even wore a fanny pack. Hannah, I heard you like fanny packs. I know, I'm so mad. <laughs> anyway, but so I had my cell phone and I thought, no, because I said, you know, when we were running, I said, should I call Michael Stephen? Maybe he can come get us with the car. And so we're like, no, we can just do this. Let's just go. So we ran and it was just such an interesting moment because it was like, okay, I, God just can carry us through when, when things come against us and break us down. And when you just stay fixed on the goal and all of a sudden I thought to myself, you know, I'm not afraid because I was in my neighborhood. Worst case. Cause the one thing I was, there was an urgency of is that the bolts of lightning would just start, you know, coming down right before the storm. And I'll tell you, had we not paid attention, we would have just minutes later gotten pounded with the hail. I don't know how many people have experienced their area. The hail was, you know, was, was really weird. We hadn't seen hail in a long time. But the Lord was just reminding me that, you know, A, complacency can get you caught in a storm you don't want to be in. Okay, if we had not been paying attention. But the other thing is that, you know, that hunger and that desire, he will carry you through to where... What you think you cannot do 
He can do it. And again, there wasn't so much fear because I thought, you know, I'm in my neighborhood. We could go to any porch and go underneath and they would understand because it's a storm. It wasn't like God wasn't going to provide. But he wanted me to just trust him. I'm going to get you home. I'm going to get you home and it's going to be fine if you just step. But the interesting thing is, there were just so many like things swirling through my mind. I thought, you know, to just stop and pray, Lord, protect me, 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 and just stop. He would probably say, okay, why don't you move, go, and I'm going to provide my protection while you're actually doing something about it. You do it. You draw nigh to me, and I will draw nigh to you. I am there with you, but you got to step. you got to do your part. And so it was like... He is our strength in, he was my strength and my weakness as I was moving toward the goal. Amen. Not just stopping, taking no responsibility, falling to my knees and saying, God, please do it all. Just do it all for me. Do it all. Cause I really thought it'd be good weather. Besides, I'm tired. You know, I mean, like, really? So I want to encourage you that at some point your flesh is going to fail. At some point you're going to uh, there will be there will be the enemy voice trying to knock at the door of your mind saying, you know, it, it didn't have to be this difficult. You know, like you, it, he'll be fine. You take a few days off. You deserve it. You know, you're never going to make it through this day of work today. You're never going to make it through this if you don't, if you don't, you know, go ahead and have what you normally have. Or, or those of you that are doing water, if you don't go ahead and eat something, remember, stay the course. God will do what your body will not do. And and he will even help you recover. Because I kept thinking, okay, God's getting getting me home. But I thought, but now I'm going to be so sore, I won't be able to move tomorrow morning. No. Don't let those negative things hit you. God is going to make a way. But we do have to have an urgency. Some of you, some of us, some of the ex- peripheral people that are joining us in this fast that don't attend, but they're with us uh, in other ways, in ignition. Some of us, there is a storm that is just over our shoulder that's coming. Some of us need to be aware of what is being stirred up against us. That if we don't step, if we don't have an urgency, if we don't press toward the goal and get where we need to to be in this fast, we're not going to see. We're going to get swallowed up in this storm. And quite frankly, the enemy is always after us in a storm. Okay, he's always after us. But some of us in particular, we are in warfare And the hail wants to pound down on you and stop you. So what are we going to do about it? This is such an opportunity for breakthrough. And like Greg said, it isn't just a, well, I want my life better. I want provision here. Some of us are literally going to be, we we need to be rescued from a storm of all hell breaking loose if we don't turn our eyes upon Jesus and, and press. And it won't necessarily be easy, but it'll be worth every single step you take. We are running a race. We are running a race. And I know I want to, as I'm, as I'm drawing deeper into the presence of God, I mean, just to think that he would even one time say that he's pleased with me, that I've run the race well, uh, is just amazing. Because again, he is the prize. So don't go after any one particular thing. Yes, we have our lists of what we want to pray for. And man, go after all of that. Because he is the more than God. And we are more than conquerors through him. But make the prize be him himself. Because then you'll see, you'll, you'll just see how to adjust everything else in your life. I mean, it's just, it's really interesting. If you put any other thing before him, even if it's in the name of him, you know, we put God's stamps on some of the things we want. 
we want, and then he reveals to us that they are idols. You know, some of our church ministries are even idols in people's lives because they're not, Jesus isn't first. So I want to just encourage you um, to do that. And uh, it's funny how you can have teachable moments from God in the most unlikely situations. Um, so I hope that uh, I hope that you're excited. I don't necessarily agree with the survival mode of, of loading up. Um, that's why he and I have a different view of opinion. But, but it's uh, enjoyable. That's yes. Whatever whatever you do today, enjoy. But uh, but don't let your first your first act of this fast be a confession of sin of gluttony from the day. Before. <laughs> okay. Um,